We've all heard the phrase, that kind of thing doesn't happen in our town. But here on Midwest Murder, we will shatter that false reality. In fact, it happens more often than we know. And sometimes, the details of the most horrific crimes that happen in our neighborhoods are lost in the back pages of newspapers, forgotten on our news channels, and eventually erased over time. We're here to talk about murder, diving into some of the most controversial cases in Midwest history. This show will not shy away from the morbid details of these horrific events and the often ugly truths behind them. What you will hear is a detailed timeline of events, perspectives from those closely involved, and analysis by experts. What you will feel is the darkness that surrounds each story, the innocence lost by the victims, and hopefully the justice that was ultimately delivered. Ooh, Don Palumbo. Joan Alanto, hello. I'm damn glad to be here. I also am damn glad to be here. I look forward to this every time. Me too. My I'd favorite like, my favorite time of the week is I'd when like I get to hang out with you and do Midwest Murder. It's very exciting. And, yeah. and word on the streets is that we're going to be spending more time together as we um, start to announce live shows. We'll be announcing live shows soon. 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 Not today. Not today. But soon. Not tomorrow, but very soon. Very it's soon. coming. And we're, we're, your excitement for those live shows is exciting for us. Oh my gosh, it's we're equally so exciting. Excited. It's, it's, we, we get to go places, fun places, and it's not just us hearing ourselves talk. It's yeah. very fun. Very Coming cool. to a city near you. Yeah, yeah. So on that note, thank you to everyone who has rated, rated and reviewed the podcast. We appreciate it so very much. It does amazing things for this little, uh, this little podcast of ours. The comments, the feedbacks. The feedback. I'm struggling with words today. That's, That's great, especially since it's my day. Right. Anyway, the comments, the feedback, support um, that that you guys have have given us um, is is so fabulous. Even even the ones that um, that it's feedback. You know, even the ones that aren't so positive. We we like to hear. It. We love the five stars, but we like to hear all of it. So we truly appreciate it. So Jonah, J Dog, what are people hearing about Midwest? What are people hearing about Midwest oh murder? I hope they're I'm, hearing a lot because that home. means they're friends. <laughs> I hope the people are hearing a lot about Midwest murder because that means you know. our listeners are telling everyone they know. Oh my gosh. And we hope that you and everyone you know will take a moment to jump onto iTunes and give us a review. This one comes from J-N-S-I-X-H-E. Five stars. Murders everywhere. You two are great. I lived in the Minot area for th- over 30 years, much of it in Donnybrook. Being there from 1982 to 2013, I was there for many of the cases you have presented. I'm especially interested in episode one because I knew Richard McNair personally through our work on Minot Air Force Base. I am currently living and working in Okinawa, Japan, so this, in a morbid way, reminds me of home. I will be moving back to North Dakota early next year and hope you are still doing live events so I can take it all in live. Keep up the great work. Jeff Jones. Well, thank you, Jeff Jones. Bam. That is so awesome. And we hope to heck that we're going to be doing live shows early next year too, so that you can you can come join us. And if if you if you do make it to a show, please come come say hi. Say hello. Thank we love, you. We love talking to you. Yeah, guys. absolutely. Uh, Devin three one six nine four five stars. Best podcast I've ever heard. Started listening when you guys covered the Jack Shoal case. Been hooked ever since. Love the way you guys banter back and forth. I have recommended this show to everyone I know. Keep up the good work. Bam, bam. Dang. Well, thank you, Devin. I'm just, gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna make that leap and just make sure. I think that's your name. I, you know, it's, I'm in, it's in your three one six nine. I'm gonna make the leap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you. And yeah, you know, tell everyone you don't know. Even just Absolutely. tell everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've I've told a few people I don't know. Uh, yeah. Hey. I, yeah. 
we, like when you make a random call and it's like, hey, by the way, do you listen to podcasts? Great. Yes. Yeah. Do you listen to podcasts? I have one. <laughs> I have one. Check it out. Would you like to hear it? Do you like to talk about murder? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so a huge, huge shout out, of course, to our listeners. But we also appreciate our sponsors as well. So very, very much. And this one is is very near and dear to my heart for sure. Um, our sponsor, local sponsor, uh, Domestic Violence Crisis Center. Our DVCC in Minot is really here to help those facing dangerous and circumstances in their, in their lives. And, and really, it, it can be dangerous. If you are experiencing violence in your home, that is dangerous. If you are, if you've been choked, that is dangerous. If you or your children are experiencing this in your home, that is not safe. And, and the you D- don't, you are better than that and you don't deserve that. Please, please don't. Don't deal with it. If you if you know somebody who's facing the situation, encourage them, help them, hold their hand, help them find help. And the DVCC here in Minot is here to help. You can reach out to them at courageforchange.org. All services are free and confidential. If you or someone you know is impacted, you can also call the crisis line. That's 701-857-2200. And I just don't think everybody realizes how risky like that strangulation piece is and how many times that has been shown to be a precursor to really extreme violence and even murder. In the right. case of people who are experiencing the domestic violence in their yeah. life. And any type of violence in your home is not okay. None. It will escalate. And you are better than that. You are, um, you deserve more, um, as a human. And, uh, you don't need to feel helpless. You don't need to feel that no one is there for you. These individuals are trained. They are ready to help. And even if you just question that you're a victim of abuse, you know, it, you know, it's, it's as, as a victim, you might not always realize it. Um, reach out you know, and, and, and they're going to help you. They're going to put you in touch with the resources that, that you may need, the help that you may need to um, keep yourself safe. According to FBI statistics, 56, 56% of domestic homicides occur after the victim has ended the relationship or in the process of leaving mm, 56% of, of, wow. of a, of a homicide where it's been a domestic situation where you're trying to leave. Yeah. And that is when you are, yeah. are, are tragically murdered by somebody. If it's you happening, if it's, if it's happening that much, when you are trying to leave, imagine how, how high the statistics are when, you know, if you, if you didn't leave. And again, this is, this is all in recognition for the DVCC here in Minot, but you can find a domestic violence crisis center anywhere that can help you. And I want to give a shout out that October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month here locally in Minot, North Dakota, where our show is recorded. There's a huge food drive happening. So we really would love if all of our local listeners would contribute to this food drive. We're looking for non-perishables to help restock the DVCC food pantry. And the, their emergency shelter. You can make donations at the Minot PD, at the Renville County Sheriff's Office, Botno County Sheriff, Pierce County, McHenry County, and Velva City Hall. So Pierce County Sheriff, McHenry County Sheriff, right here in Minot at the, at the PD. So if you've got some free time, if you've got some per- non-perishables in your home, or you want to just get some cool stuff for uh, people who are facing trauma in their life and have to come into the DVCC here in Minot, you, you can contribute to the food drive. Please get out there and do that. And wherever you are, support your uh, local domestic violence crisis centers. Right. And, you know, they might, your your local center might not be doing a food drive right now, but still reach out to them. It is, it is like Jonah said, National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Um, reach out to them, see how you can help. And those, um, you know, I, I saw a super cool idea for uh, food drive. Uh, 
unimaginable amount of people um, give already perished items. So already expired, non-perishable items, you know, two food drives and stuff like that, which, come on, don't be a better human than that. Nobody yeah. wants to eat expired food. Don't be a dick. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, if, if you want to eat expired food, make that choice for yourself. Not don't for other don't, people. don't donate it. Yeah. And, and last but not least, I just want to give a shout out to if, if you're a, a, a listener from wherever you are, there, there you can always donate to the DVCC in Minots. If you want to support our sponsor, the DVCC here in Minot, you can go to their website, courageforchange.org and make a donation. Thank you. We really do appreciate it. And one more, one more um, non-perishable food item plug. I saw this super cool idea um, because just because uh, you might be in a shelter or you know, your life doesn't stop, right? And some of those um, most important things, um, consistency, birthdays, things like that. I saw this super cool idea where you, in a disposable pan, you put a cake mix and um, a thing of frosting and some candles. That is super cool. And I think it means more to people who are in those situations that they can maintain some sense of normalcy in their lives. And so um, those of us who are able to donate, it's a huge deal. So anyway. Big time. All right. Well, today's story. The year was 2012. The Costa Concordia sunk off the coast of Italy because of the captain's negligence. 32 were dead. Do you remember that? It was the it was the ship that, that drove into harbor to like, you know, wave to the peeps. Uh, I will never say peeps ever again. I'm, wow, quite, I'm, I'm speaking in 2012 language. Uh, I tell you, quite vaguely, but it does substantially reinforce my existing desire to never go on a cruise ship. I'm not. In, I'm not into it. I'm not doing it. I don't want to do it. I will never do that. I'm not knocking anybody who does it, but no. you're not talking me onto a cruise ship. I'm not doing it. I've seen too many nightmares. I think I got. I wandered into a YouTube rabbit hole and I saw cruise ship nightmares, and it ruined everything for me. I, I'm not doing it. Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> oh, dad so joke, funny. dad joke, John. Dad, dad, dad joke, Don strikes again. I, I tried. Uh, that's not funny because 32 people were dead and I'm not trying to make fun of that, that light. It's that's just, terrible. um, I will never, ever, ever go on a cruise ship because of things like this. And I've seen Poseidon and I've seen Poseidon's adventure and there it's all equally as horrifying. I've seen Titanic. Like Scary. I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not doing it. Nope. So, uh, the, the, the Queens, uh, yeah. Midwest murder will never go on a cruise tour ever. Well, how much are you paying us? Uh, you might be able to coerce me on correction. There. Midwest murder. <laughs> there's a good chance. We'll never be there's on a, a really a, good chance. There's a good chance. We'll never be on, on a cruise tour. But if you're a cruise but... tour that wants to showcase a podcast and you're paying, well, we might be interested. I might be, I might be interested. Yeah. I might, I, there's a chance. You could be the cruise line that changed our minds about cruise ships. How much is that worth to you? Oh, dang. Oh, dang. Oh, dang. Okay. I like that. All right. Um, <laughs> Midwest murders. We're going places. That, that being, that being said, we will only sponsor stuff we believe in, um, it's true. which I mean, our mind can be changed on a cruise ship. We'll decide. We'll, we'll have that discussion later. Anyway, yeah. it was again, 2012, the Queen's Diamond Jubilee was underway, which means 60 years in rain. Whoa. So uh, she'd been in for a while. They were on the world tour. After 246 years, the Encyclopedia Britannica discontinued its print. Oh, man. Like the end of an era. My grandma still has like books from like 1983 or something like that. I always wanted someone to order me those when the infomercial for it would come up. Always, always, I mean, always. 
it was it's you know it's like the all of that information at your fingertips i used to check out expired in no time. i used to check out an encyclopedia from the library as one of my books and just read through at like what's well what, what do we got in here what's cool it's, aardvarks i yeah. mean <laughs> i mean who knows anything about an aardvark it's very cool it's like that episode of friends when when um penn and teller were the guests on that on that episode and they um <laughs> they were they were uh encyclopedia salesmen which of course our children watching that today are like what the hell is that right um but they they sold um joey could only afford um, the v and so he knew everything like about mount vesuvius and you know he knew everything, <laughs> all, everything about everything anything with v, v. but oh, as God. soon as they as soon as they changed the subject then he was completely out of it, it was it was a great concept that's actually hilarious. a funny idea for a, for an episode yeah, not, a, not like a huge friends fan but i love that idea yeah it's it's funny um london england hosted the 2012 summer olympics that year barack obama was re-elected as the president that year, Washington and Colorado became the first states to legalize the recreational use of marijuana or cannabis. Huge, Bam. huge deal. That big, was big win for freedom. Ten years ago, man. Yeah. And in this one, this one gets me. I can't believe it's it's ten years. But and in some of the, the saddest times of our, our country, the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting took place, leaving twenty eight children and adults dead. Very, very, very sad. And let us not forget that 2012 was also another year in which the world was supposed to end, oh, according to the Mayan calendar. I just, I can't. 2012 right. Mayan calendar. I, I mean, we survived Y2K, then we survived the Mayans. Now we're trying to survive a pandemic. What's next? We're don't ready. Ask, don't you dare ask that question. Don't Cruise you dare ships. Ask that. That's what's next. <laughs> Cruise ships, locusts, whatever. Lo- yeah. <laughs> locusts. <laughs> Actually, Jeez. I think that was this year, wasn't it? What's, was it the locusts? I that, don't know. It was fires. I think it was kind of no, fires. But, um, but uh, cause don't they? Oh, no. Uh, it starts with a C. And they come out like every 17 or 18 years. I have a friend who lives on the East Coast. I'm going to get my ass kicked in comments for this later. I know because I can't remember the word. but And it's one of those... Um, My friends, the DeFabios, went and watched him like crawl up in the yeah. Acadias, Casadias, Chicadas, Chicadas. Is that what it is? <laughs> some people call them Chicadas. Some Boom. people call them Chicadas, Chicadias. I don't know. I oh, an now insect I'm, that emerges from the ground every once every like years. seventeen years. So that's pretty wild. And we probably got that number wrong too. Anyway, yeah, we just make this shit up. Apparently, okay. Anyway, on a serious note, today's story takes us to Sydney, Montana, and Williston, North Dakota. So kind of that that general general area. 22-year-old Michael Keith Spell and 47-year-old Lester Van Waters Jr., who'd re- they both had been recently um, living in Parachute, Colorado. They came to western North Dakota and eastern Montana to find work in the oil and gas boom. Apparently that was a thing at that point, right? Out, out, out there in the Bakken, everybody the, the was coming from Bakken. everywhere. And if, if you guys remember, it was not planted, but it referenced the Jack Scholl case in the reviews there. We did kind of explain the Bakken the, quite a bit yeah. leading into that episode because that murder occurred. Right. It area. was, it was a huge energy boom. Um, the, you know, people living in man camps, you couldn't, you know, people that camped in the, the Walmart parking lot. I mean, it was insane. And so it was about this time because everybody came from everywhere to find work. And on the morning of January 20, or January 7th, 2012, these two had been up all night, smoking crack, driving around, and they found themselves in Sydney, Montana, which is just a short 45-minute drive from Williston. Oh, did I'm sorry. You said they were coming here looking for work? Work. Oh. Work. Yeah. I, I mean, you always smoke crack all night before seeking employment on a weekday? Well, I don't know what your Tuesdays are like, but... Yeah. Pretty boring, I guess. Not, not like that. No. <laughs> I can Whoa. say I'm, I'm going to go to bed today and, and uh, you know, maybe hang, eat some dinner. 
go to bed early. Maybe, maybe brush my teeth. Yeah, maybe maybe get lost in TikTok. I'm probably not uh, probably not driving around smoking crack. No, no. Uh, so waters, water—they both were no stranger to the um, criminal justice system. Waters had a lengthy background in Florida, where he'd lived um, before uh, Colorado, and uh, and his most recent recent release from prison was August 2010. So beginning in the late 80s, he had served several stints in jail in Florida's um, uh, Indian River County and served three state prison sentences between 2002 and 2010. So definitely no stranger. Kind of lifelong criminal. That's a lifelong criminal. Yeah, That's yeah. really what it is. It's, yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a career criminal at that point. Well, but you're making a piss poor career out of it if you keep getting caught. <laughs> you're, and you're, if you're on Midwest you're, murder, I, I just feel like, like I feel like you should change careers at that yeah. point. Yeah, if you're not successful. Also, on the morning of January 7th in Sydney, local math teacher, 43-year-old Sherry Arnold went for her morning jog like nearly every other morning. And according to former Sydney Police Department patrol officer Barney Doyle, who described Sherry as, quote, she was the type of earthly saint capable of marching into a room of rambunctious 12-year-olds every day with the unshakable optimism that children can somehow be taught to solve equations, end quote. Oh, man. She was a rock star teacher, and she was a great mom to two kids, had three bonus kids, and she was married to her husband, Gary. So definitely a community, you know, involved in our community, like I said, a rock star teacher. And, and it, I'm sorry, there aren't many people that like math. Clearly, we are mid- Midwest murder, not Midwest math. Right. I didn't like my math teachers. No, um, I, I never liked a single math no, teacher that no, I had. Like part of me kind of feels bad about that now, but I, I never did. Right. I right. got along well with my English teachers, which is probably mine, why mine I'm here doing too, Midwest same, murder. And, same. We're going to air five for uh, that one. Yeah, because, we're not yeah, we're not getting into chemistry or anything. No. But so she's, she sounds yeah, so like a well-loved person. She sounds like someone that even, even you and I would love, right? As Absolutely. a math teacher. You know? Makes, makes as far as math, math teachers go. <laughs> so, unfortunately, this time, Sherry's run was different. Gary, uh, her husband, had gone for a walk, and when he got home for from his walk, uh, Sherry wasn't there yet, which was kind of odd. When she still didn't show up, he started looking for her. He alerted authorities, even contact this, contact, contacted the school. And being it was such a small community, the the school district that she was in, the Sydney Superintendent of Schools, Daniel Farr, sent a district-wide email asking if anyone had any information about Sherry's whereabouts. And if they did, they were to contact Gary, her husband, immediately. And when we say small community here, we're talking like five thousand people. Yeah, at the, at that time, back 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 at this time, yeah, Sydney Sydney Montana is a community of about five thousand people. That's yeah, it. So yeah, that's it. Yeah, alerting quote everyone. It didn't take it didn't take it a didn't lot of take effort. Much, yeah. 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 And and that's something, you know, in a giant school district, you're probably not gonna do, but I mean, it just was so uncharacteristic uncharacteristic of her. I need my words to start working. Anyway, by eleven thirty that morning, more than a hundred volunteers showed up at the school to assist with a search that the city police were conducting. Even two planes, as well as assistance from the National Guard. I mean, it was huge, so they, huge, huge search. They re, they reacted really, really quickly, which good for them. Every every missing person should get a response like that. And every I, I, single missing person deserves a response like this. I don't, you know, I, I I can't begin to imagine what it takes to organize a search and to get the National Guard and do, do all these things. Maybe the planes that were used, they could have just been friends of the right, family. Like, right. look, we we love her. Uh, I have I have a farm plane. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll get go, out there. Yeah. Like it's aerial search. I, I think it's not like resources are limited when when the you know, helicopters right. are expensive to fly. All this stuff, right? So like, right. it's either the community comes together and people help out. Uh, I, like I don't know, but every person deserves. 
a every huge response. Every single person deserves this response. And the, the part that I'm sick and tired of is um, there were thoughts um, that she just ran away with another dude. What? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so sick and tired of that attitude when, when someone goes missing. Well, she probably just ran away. Well, uh, or you could take it serious. <laughs> I mean, it just, that, that drives me nuts. I know there are reasons as to why, you know, people indicate that, but gosh dang it, not everybody runs away. To and that, well, that go. was not the vibe with, no, with, with, no. with Sherry Arnold here no, though. No, not okay, at all. Yeah, but yeah. people still felt that way. Even, even one of the police officers felt that way. And it's like, you know, and he later regretted that and was, was truly sorry for that attitude. So there was an officer who made that comment. He, he made that, oh, yeah, maybe yeah. she ran away with another man. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it was 2012. I hope we've made some progress in, tw- in 10 years, nine years, 10, almost 10. We'll call so, it 10-ish here 10-ish. on Midwest Math. <laughs> After regrouping and um, and continuing the search near Holly Street, which was um, which among the locals is considered the truck route. Okay, right? kind of busier, uh, busier. Yep, kind of the main thoroughfare where you know delivery trucks and those types of things go. Um, during that search, they they found a running shoe. So and it appeared to be Sherry's, or you know, certainly matches a description when someone goes missing while they're running. Right near that shoe, a knit hat, and if you're in Canada, you'd call it a toque. We call it a beanie. A beanie. You know. Where I'm from. Where in these parts, we call it a beanie. And uh, that was also found near the running shoe. The search continued. Nothing else turned up. Um, And two days later, on January 9th, the FBI joined the search and took over as lead investigator. So something must have indicated that it was crossing state lines, that it kind of bumped it up to that that level. And again, I can't, I can't. Um, emphasize enough how massive a search effort this was. Three counties in Montana, two cities in North Dakota, as well as the U.S. Border Patrol. I mean, this is huge. And I, I'm just guessing. And again, the, everyone deserves this level of search. Well, and this is directly on the border between North Dakota and Montana. Right. So like the two cities in North Dakota, I, I'm guessing are Watford City and Williston. You already Bingo. mentioned Williston. Mm-hmm. Watford yep. City is probably the other one. Yep. And, and that's, that's exactly a vast, where they were huge it's a bit it's a big expansive land it is yeah absolutely on january 11th so just a, a few days later four days later well four ish uh, law enforcement received a tip that would blow the case wide open and it would show that in fact sherry had not just run away spell um can i pause for just yeah. like who who thinks she ran away when you find a shoe in a beanie and stuff? Right. I'm feeling like that had, that had changed at that point. Okay. I mean, I'm hoping you know, those comments pre, predate but, the finding of that evidence because you know like, how, come on. But you know how people, you know, speculations go. Right. I you, mean, it's just... You got to leave everything on the table you until really you have some, some yep. facts, yep. but still. Until that whistle blows, that's, you know, uh, yeah. So remember our two buddies that were driving around smoking crack? Oh, how come mm-hmm. looking for employment in yes. the, the by smoking crack looking yeah. for empo- employment? Well, our twenty-two-year-old friend Michael Keith Spell um, Spell had apparently contacted his girlfriend Angel Cruz and told her that he was stuck in North Dakota and trying to get back to Colorado. He also told her that they had kidnapped a woman and killed her. Oh, by the way, yeah. Whoa. Also, he also told her that they had kidnapped. Or I just read that. Sorry, um, Spell also told her that Waters made him shove the woman's face in a, quote, puddle of mud like water until she was dead. Oh. 
he mentioned that he was afraid he would have been killed if he hadn't. The interesting part is apparently Waters also made spell smoke crack cocaine. I'm really not buying it. I feel like that's, I feel like you can say no to that. Just say no. Um, and he thought that Waters had apparently made a run for it was now in Rapid City, South Dakota. He was not. On January 12th, so the very next day, Waters was found with the green Ford Explorer that was in question, that was kind of part of that tip, and he was still in Williston. And they brought him in for questioning. So they held him, and in his belongings was a Walmart receipt. Oh. Then, the next day, they finally located Spell, and they brought him in for questioning as well. And he confessed absolutely everything. So they got Waters first. They got Waters first. Yep. And he wasn't giving anything up. Not really. Not really at all. Spell came in and sang like a bird. Wow. And according to court documents, Spell confessed um, that he and Waters, and because Waters was looking for someone, he wanted a woman is what he claimed. So they, they found her and he confessed that he and Waters abducted and killed Sherry and then mentioned the rest of this, the rest of the story. So Waters had, had, like just before they had had uh, abducted Sherry Arnold, Waters told Spell that crack co- crack cocaine uh, brought the devil out in him. Quote. So he started talking about how he wanted to kidnap and kill a female. So fast forward to the seventh. The two were just driving through because, of course, they're forty five minutes from Williston now. So they're now in Sydney. The two w- were driving around, and by this time it's you know early morning hours, so it's dark. Still. Yeah, it, it, it's it, this is January and it's pretty it's, much dark until eight, we're, we're maybe even near, almost we're, nine. We're damn near Alaska. <laughs> yeah, we're getting close, and then it's dark. It's dark again by five, six o'clock. Right. At I mean, this we have time. very little daylight yeah. at this point. And uh, so, as they're driving, they see this woman running along the road, and she says hello as they're parked on the side. Then Spell got out of the vehicle at Waters' urging, grabbed her, and forced her into the vehicle. While doing that, in a struggle, her shoe fell off. So Waters was angry, and he took Spell's um, beanie, toque, knit hat off of his head and threw it in the ditch as punishment. That is the hat that was found near the running shoe. Oh, that was not the hat of Sherry Arnold. It was his. Oh, wow. So so that was a a pretty key piece of evidence. Very key. So once once they had her in the vehicle... Waters then got into the back seat and, quote, choked her out. He told Spell that if uh, that he would kill him and his family if he ever told anybody about what had happened. So at that point, they threw the woman's clothes in a dumpster behind a truck stop in town and then uh, dropped Arnold's body outside of town. Just kind of, they held it just there so that they could go do or finish the rest of the day and finish the rest of their job. So at that point... They go to Williston and buy a shovel at Walmart with that receipt that they found in his belongings. I, I knew I knew that Walmart trip was going to be involved with murder. I just I had a feeling, Don. Yep. So they bought the shovel there. Yes. And and her body was out in a ditch somewhere while her, they went and bought the yeah, or, or whatever. Just, like, yep. She was just held there, like just just in holding. Yeah. While they while they took care of that. But she was dead. She was dead at that point. Mm-hmm. Jesus. So because of the information they received at that point, because they still hadn't received all of it, law enforcement asked landowners in four North Dakota counties, as well as a couple in Montana, to look for any signs of a buried body. Because at this point, they don't even have a location to go off of. So they finally 
um, just two days later, identify Lester Van Waters Jr. and Michael Keith Spell as the suspects and the individuals being held in North Dakota for the murder of Sherry Arnold, because at this point they know she's, she's no longer alive. Right. So pursuing the case against Spell and Waters, charges were then filed and both had to be extradited back to Montana, even though it's just like 45 minutes away. They both had to be extradited back to Montana. Arrested in North Dakota and then had to be, it's such a like, because the crime, the crime happened in Montana, right? But arrested in Williston. Yeah, but they, they, they crossed a border. So, I mean, it does make it also like it changes like the federal Mm -hmm. aspect of it. It's not, it's no longer a state crime. I mean, it's a federal crime. I think murder is a federal crime regardless, but yeah, the, the, it's not a federal crime. It's a state crime. Okay. Unless, I mean, in, in the instance of, of Drew Shadeen, that was because he took her body across state lines. Right. Right. So she wasn't, um, no, she wasn't, this one wasn't federal. Okay. So yeah, the process of extradition, um, kind of weird anyways to me, you know, like it adds a, a strange layer in terms of, well, this is a criminal. We know this criminal is, is our guy or our guys, but there still is a formal like mini trial, like a mini extradition right. trial. They have to, yeah, they have to have a court hearing to decide if they if these two can these two individuals can be extradited or not and they can try and it's usually unsuccessful but they can try to resist mm-hmm. and it's just an interesting layer i don't know who's getting protected in the extradition processes maybe uh, yeah. it's supposed to be us the citizens if a state is like falsely claiming we tried to do something like right. i i would just yeah, I'd love to like understand that just a little bit more because it's a, it's a hey, we've got them. Send them over. It's the you know we're right. forty five minutes away. You're gonna hold them for a week until you can get a court date, and then you're gonna right. go through that and process all of that. Then you're gonna ship them over. It's just are they in? I mean, I, just, I imagine is it like an inmate right type of thing? Is that you know is that part of it? Yeah, I I, I don't um, want to bitch about anybody's rights. No, because there there are rights and privileges, right? I mean, it's it's you know a. When you're when you're incarcerated, there are rights and privileges. Uh, you know, it's so it's. We're certainly not complaining about those rights, but I want to know as to you know why, right, and how how a person can fight those, why they can fight that. You uh, know, if it's, if it, if it was a DUI case, a, a, a misdemeanor DUI case, right, there you know a state's probably not going to extradite for that. They but don't the pursue for is, misdemeanors, but because this is you know likely a double A felony. You know, I would think, I mean, obviously like it's, can't you just, it's, it's like the chain of command with, with, um, with evidence, right? Can't you, if you need paperwork, can't you just sign a form? I, it just, it's, I don't know. There's clearly we're missing, we're missing something on our side, but we, well, um, that's, we, that's why lawyers. once, once yeah. we get paid to do the cruise gig, Don, <laughs> then, then we can hire, then a like, we can a hire law. like a, a law, a yeah. law student or yeah. like a law, somebody on our, to be on, on our legal team. <laughs> we can, I think I just said we can hire a law. <laughs> I think that's what I just said. Neat. How about, can, a, how about a legal team? We can hire a legal team and we'll know the reality of it. But anyways, words are hard. The, ex, the extradition process had to go had to be initiated it, yeah, before yep. they could even pursue this in trial and, so and bring them back and, and to you're, montana. you're sitting there in montana you're a family you want justice mm-hmm. you want answers mm-hmm. and it, it you got to wait for that to happen and right. it, it is it's frustrating right. so they law enforcement at this point of course um you know for for obvious reasons had released very few details you know, but what they did say is that Sherry Arnold, during her run, was forced into a green Ford Explorer and later killed. That's what they were able to release. But panic ensued. 
women everywhere, especially those in, in small communities, were terrified to go out in the dark uh, mornings and evenings. I know it changed my the way I run. Um, you know, self-defense, self-defense items flew off of the shelves, uh, as those who did go out wanted some way to protect themselves. I mean, so it was, it, it definitely changed. It changed for sure that area. Well, con- cons- consider for just a moment, if you will, these again were all very small communities prior to this big oil boom. They were, it was a type of places where you, you kind of knew all the neighbors, you kind of knew, the people who lived around you, you had processes, you you felt like things were safe. You're probably not locking your doors. This is the Midwest. A lot of people probably weren't locking their cars. And suddenly you've got a lot of transplants out here. And while most of them were probably pretty decent people looking right. for a job, right. unfortunately, you're, you're, you're getting... You're getting some bad people too. There, there are some there's some human garbage that comes in along with it, right? There's and, and, opportunity abound yeah. for everyone. And yeah. so yeah, the the level of insecurity that infested these communities because of stuff like this is not to be underestimated. Not at all. Not at all. And I mean, it, it's and during the oil boom, it was um one of one of my frustrations is is that everybody blamed all of the crime on the energy workers and the oil boom, which was not the case. You know, there were murders that happened before. There were murders that happened after. Um, not everybody that came here were murderers or drug dealers or whatever, you know, and, and so. But, but some of those did come. They came. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, but it's, it's, I feel like a lot of times the energy workers, because it is, it is a hard life, right? I mean, I, I get it. Um, it just, I mean, panic just happened naturally too. I mean, so, you know, just part of that time because it was, there were so many more people in the area and and everything. And, and yeah, there were some, there's some bad shit out there for sure. Absolutely. Um, so in what was probably a grueling couple of months later on March 21st, 2012. So obviously, I mean, this happened in January. So March, it's a long time. Law enforcement announced that the remains of a female had been found and that those were believed to be um, Sherry Arnold's. The remains were were positively identified as hers the very next day by the Montana um, State Crime Lab. It's tragic, but that's that's a real relief if you're just looking to make it one step closer toward that closure. Right. And at this point, they hadn't even been able to have a funeral. I mean, you know, and and it wasn't and it wasn't until um, March 30th. So, so they mean, found we're, the we're body talking. on the twenty first, and they didn't identify the body until the thirtieth. No, the next day. Oh, okay, um, okay, okay. Sorry, but it wasn't until the thirtieth that finally, 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 Sherry Arnold's family, friends, and students were able to oh, say goodbye to her funeral. Okay, okay. You know, so they, I mean, they had to wait, right? So at this point, now Waters was the one that was going to talk. They still have them both in custody, obviously, and they're both charged. But he had some. He had some. Uh, he had some reasons, and uh, so the forty-seven-year-old helped one of the special agents of the FBI find the body. So they stopped in Ray, North Dakota, and which is about twenty to thirty minutes from from Williston, and uh, and from there, Waters drew a map from Williston's Walmart. Remember where they bought the shovel? Of course. To where the remains were found. So Waters described an area near people welding pipes at night. Okay. So they kind of knew what you know, where that would be maybe. And then next to that place was an open field. And that is where they found Sherry's remains. Where, was she actually buried? She was buried. So according to court records, Water stated that, that Sherry Arnold was buried while lying on her, on her side in a fetal position. At that point, then he said, um, he, he began to get emotional and said, I didn't kill that lady. So Waters is saying he didn't do it. 
And the other guy has said that he did it. That Waters made him do it. Right. And I noticed too that he, he said he made me, I I held her face in a puddle of mud like water until she Mm -hmm. was dead. Mm -hmm. But then there's also the story of being strangled. Right. So he, he choked choked her out. Right. And then, and then held her, held her down. So she, Uh, she had. Whenever they, she choked her out. And then whenever they got to that destination. Then they, then, then it is he did drown is, her. That's what I'm. Yeah, okay. that's that's what he had he had claimed. So yeah. that's all yeah. still true. It wasn't one or the other. No, it's yeah, it's all still true. And so then Spell also claimed that um, that Waters made him dig a hole with that shovel, obviously two to three feet. So she was, and again, it's January, so ground it's is a shallow frozen. grave. I'm surprised they even got two to three feet down. <laughs> it's it's hard, yeah, frozen wow. ground, and so he, that's. Yeah, he dug he dug two to three feet down, and then that was where they they placed her her body, um, and as he claimed on uh, on her her side in the fetal position. So why did they do it? I, because they wanted a woman, and because crack cocaine brings out the devil in him. That's just it. They're that's just it. smoking crack, and yeah. the and devil every, and every the devil they, takes you over because you were smoking crack, and it, oh, I just, we, we're going to kill somebody now, right? And every time, every time I say crack, I, I mean crack, not crack cocaine. I sound like a politician from the eighties. They're smoking that crack cocaine, right? Yeah, you sound like you're about to introduce some legislation, <laughs> I like. Ay, ay, ay. So, um, Spell said he did later feel remorse when he saw posters of the missing school teacher, and then that was when he telephoned or called his his. Who am I? He telephoned someone. He called. Like, did anybody find a payphone? <laughs> Gosh, he called. Um, that was when he called his his girlfriend and told them told her what had happened. So, the interesting part is that shovel that they bought from Walmart. Mm-hmm. They returned it. Shut up. No, they returned the the shovel. <sighs> That's what they claimed. Why I? Why does that make this whole thing feel more disgusting? It feels even more icky. It. I. I. I don't know. I can't explain why, but hearing that makes this whole thing even more disgusting than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Like, were you that strapped for cash? You were that strapped so for cash gross. that you needed to return a shovel that you buried well, in a grave to- or that you that you, that you you bought to um, dig a grave for and then return it to Walmart well, and then what, bought more crack? You, you figure it's a spade, right? It's probably a $20 shovel, maybe 15 to 25 bucks or something at Walmart. What are you yeah. what are you getting with that? You're it's gross. I guess I guess you don't want to have a murder weapon or or uh, or not it's not a murder weapon, excuse me, but it was involved a, yeah. in in murder, so it's an it's, a, it's I, an accoutrement. They, an accoutrement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, did they ever they ne- they never found that shovel then, I don't imagine. I not from what I can see. No. Okay. They just have that receipt, you know, which of course is evidence right, at right, that point. Right. Yeah. So both men were of course tried separately, but the fun thing is that Waters made a deal with prosecutors that called for him to testify against Spell if that case was to, in fact, go to trial. In exchange, Waters was spared the death penalty, and it was recommended that he receive 100 years in prison with 20 years suspended. He was convicted and was uh, given the sentence of 80 years. That exact sentence. 100 years in prison with 20 years suspended if he were to testify against Spell. Doesn't sound like you're gaining a hell of a lot. he did. So, at Spell's trial, Spell's defense attorneys um, tried to show Waters as the one who hatched, you know, the pair's, uh, you know, the, this plan to kidnap her and 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 uh, or just a random woman. 
And of course, they also claimed that that Waters had threatened to kill Spell and his family unless he went along with the plan. Yeah, because this wasn't obviously they hadn't targeted right. Sherry Arnold. It right. was they just wanted a woman, anyone, anyone, anyone any will woman. do. You yeah. creepy creeps. Well, when you're the devil, apparently any woman will do, and especially one that says hello to you as as she's about to pass by, and then you grab her. Ugh. The thing that prosecutors pointed out was that Spell did not try to escape from him, from Waters, when he had the chance. And that was also including the final moments between um, getting out of the vehicle, out of Waters' vehicle, and grabbing Sherry from the side of the road, which he would have had the chance to. So you kind of just have these two guys who both killed this poor woman pointing fingers at one another, trying to cast blame for who's more responsible for her death. I just want, F both of you guys. Go go to jail. Go away. Well, and and just... Why, why did, I, I mean, I guess that, you know, I want to ask why does it matter if one is going to finger the other in, 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 in testify, but it means that you're going to get a solidified case. I understand it's, it's a design for prosecution purposes right. yep. to yep, guarantee sure. you're going to get for these sure. people behind bars. So I, I, I mean, I, I get that part of it, but at the same time, it's like these two scumbag crack smoking losers killed yeah. this poor beautiful wonderful amazing woman from sydney montana yeah. Yeah. and then in trial you got this cockamamie no nah, he told me to do it well no he no, made he me, me. And it's, it's like it's like your arms are pointing both ways you know like the like the scarecrow when yes you, you know it's it it's gives like, no, me he did it no he did it you gives know? me chills well and it's just it, it just yeah it makes it makes my tummy hurt so defense attorneys had also asked that um that that spell be put into the state hospital's custody um, or placement in an institution for the mentally disabled. They they claimed that his mental problems made him unable to conform to the law. So while he had been diagnosed with an intellectual disability, uh, mental health professionals did feel that Spell was competent to stand trial and was likely exaggerating his disability. And as, as someone who is all about disability rights over here, like I'm, I'm all for it. It's you sons of guns, like this guy. That ruin it. That, and it pisses me off. But can you, um, well, can you imagine what his appeal is based on? Because he because, was handicapped or something? Yeah, or? because they got it wrong. That's why. They got it wrong. They got it he, wrong. That he actually is not able to conform to the law. He and was, that he is, dis, he is mentally disabled. Trying to say he was some form of in mental incompetency. Yep. yep wow. Yep. Um, so a spell was sentenced to 100 years and will not be eligible for parole until 2037. So of course, like I mentioned, he is um, he's pushing that to appeal um, because, Qu- of course, he didn't get a, a fair trial. Question: He claims the guy who got the twenty years suspended is he eligible for parole at any point? He um, he is. Yeah. So that okay. Yeah. So that was probably I, I'm guessing that was maybe part of the other deal that perhaps well I've, I've been in here for fifty years maybe now mm-hmm. you'll consider me for parole. Yeah. So that yep. that's the win for him. That, sure. That's the, the quote-unquote, that's the real win for him right. yep. is that, well, you, you sentenced me 100 years with 20 suspended, but so I am eligible for parole. So right. usually it's after you've served half your sentence yeah. that yeah. you start to be Somewhere eligible. I think something state. like yeah. that. Okay. Yep. So there is a possibility maybe in his 80s that he gets a review. I don't know. But that, that's wow. – that. it helps me, I guess, understand a little bit as his, to why, as to why mm-hmm. if his um, verdict – and and the judgment, whatever the uh, 
the sentence. The sentence. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Why can't I could like deal and all that stuff? Right, yeah. right, or right, not right. Deal, but the um, sentencing agreement. I guess I the sentencing yeah. agreement got him that possibility for parole. Yeah, and if, you know, it's it's just just makes me sad. So resources for today, of course, court documents, the Sydney Herald, NPR, and Morbidology. Gotta like uh, and, and NPR. NPR always makes me they're happy. They're super balanced and wonderful mm-hmm. guys and girls and all of our listeners. We really do appreciate you. This is Midwest Murder. Catch mm-hmm. us on iTunes. Give us a review. Support the DVCC here in Minot. You can donate at courageforchange.org. This episode, again, brought to you in part by the DVCC here in Minot. Tell everyone you know and cruise companies, if you're looking to change our minds, we'll talk. We'll talk. Come for the Midwest. Stay for the murder.